listening to the Animation in Progress podcast. In episode 8, I'm talking to Jess Herman and Bob Strongman, each of them directors of their own collaborative CG short film. As it happens, they've both chosen a very similar platform to my own project, Devils, Angels and Dating, from which to manage the creation of their films. I start out talking to Bob Strongman about his film, The Gondolier's Dog. Hi, Mike. Hey, Aaron. Do you want to give us a little bit of a rundown of what sort of stage your project's in, Bob? Well, I set up the site about um, six months ago, I guess, after I did the the work on yours mm-hmm. and saw the way you were doing things. It seemed like quite a good way to go because you seemed to be having quite a lot of um, success with that. Mm. So I set up the site and then it was, it was quite quiet for two or three months. Mm. But Yeah, it's hard to get it started, that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Kind of, it kind of ramped up quite quickly after that, and certainly a month or so before Christmas, which is is you know about three months ago, uh, it got quite busy. So it's it's going quite nicely now. We've got um, three out of four main character models are complete, mm-hmm. um, completely modelled. One of them is completely rigged. The other two are being rigged and should be ready fairly soon. And then the fourth will be done um, when we get round to it. So hopefully, uh, we're looking at starting to animate. Maybe next week or the week after. Cool. Do you want to just give us a little bit of a rough background to um, to your, the work you've done before? Um, I've done quite a lot of animation work before. Um, it's, it's freelance. A lot of it is corporate. Some of it is is TV stuff, some commercials, the, the odd TV series. Um, did a little bit of stuff at Disney last week. Excellent. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a mishmash. You know, it's, it's whatever um, people want. Really. Uh, yeah. It's predominantly... CG-based animation. I do some texturing as well, um, a little bit of modelling. Cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's mostly using Maya. Occasionally I use XSI. Mm. Um, I do a little bit of vector work sometimes. Yeah. Okay, the, the other person I want to introduce is uh, Jess Herman, who's working on Hick. Is it just Hick, That's, that's the title. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Hick. I think there was no um, just plain Hick available, or the Ning site needed longer titles. And I'm not sure, but the film is actually going to be called Hick. Gotcha. When it's finished. Okay. Yeah. Do, you want, do you want to tell us what stage your project's in then? Yeah. Um, my project is sort of, uh, we started animating about two weeks ago, I guess, two, three weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, with partially rigged characters. Um, because sort of the rigging process is uh, trial and error. It is, yes. Uh, yes. I've decided to sort of do basic rigging, then have everyone reference in a rig, and then make the changes as we go along. So I've got a couple shots going. Um Let's see, I started, uh, I actually came up with the story in August of last year and set up the Ning site quite shortly afterwards, mm-hmm. uh, September, because I realized I couldn't, I couldn't do it on my own. Originally what happened was I looked for a character designer on Facebook one night when I was very frustrated uh, drawing, because I'm not as good a drawer as I used to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, and someone responded, and I found it amazing because it was someone I didn't know who I knew through a friend of a friend, and uh, his name is Lorenzo, and he said, uh, yeah, I'd love to do some character design. I'm in between jobs, and uh, your project sounds interesting. So I got in touch with him, and then I said, wait a minute, if it's this easy to get, you know, to, to find people nowadays who can do the things that you're not good at, how can I sort of branch out and make a bigger network? And then I happened across someone who's actually working for Devil's Angels and Dating, right, um, yeah. Robbie, who suggested the the Ning as sort of a network a networking site. So I actually came across Ning before I had seen your project, mm. but then saw that uh, you know 
the way you have things set up, it's a uh, it's a great model mm-hmm. <laughs> for uh, for doing any sort of thing, and it, that's just that's just flown and grown and uh, is doing really good. It's really helping out. So, yeah. so what what's yeah. your background then? Oh, my background is um, I studied illustration. I worked as a graphic designer. Uh, I studied animation at Animation Mentor, and uh, currently looking for animation work, but. Um, I'm in Italy and there's no market. So I said, well, if you can't find work, you've got to make work. So this is sort of what I'm doing in between freelance jobs and bits and bobs and being a generalist. Absolutely. I'm also a 3D generalist. So one of my approaches to this is that um, if you're going to be hit by a bus tomorrow, at least you went doing what you love doing, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Regardless of whether you were getting paid for it or not. <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's right. Because it's, uh, it's not a... It's not really about that. It's funny. People ask you what you do for a living, and they don't actually what you do, you know, to live. Basically, what what do you yeah. need to be doing? Exactly. So, um, I'm doing what I need to be doing. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> so, I was just having a look through your gallery, and um, I've, I just uh, ch- found all the character models. Is that all your modeling? The modeling? No, I had I had some help with the modeling. Um, there's about there are about four or five people modeling along with me on the. Um, on the models, a couple of very good modelers, but a lot of the times what would happen is someone would send, you know, would give me a model and then they'd say, hey, you know, I don't really have time to finish this off or maybe the, the edge loops for animation weren't perfect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's always a great help, someone starting you out on something. Mm-hmm. And then you have to go back and te- technically tweak things. So there's a lot of people working on the modeling because they keep needing changes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I found modeling was one of the easier things to um, to ask other people to do. Yeah, um, it was the first easier task for you guys. What was the hardest thing to recruit for so far? No, I didn't find modeling that easy to start with to to find people because I'm not an out and out modeler, so I can do some bits and pieces. But when it comes to good character models, I, I really needed somebody else to do those. Oh, I, me too. I mean, I'm I'm a useless modeler. That was my greatest weakness, and that's why I knew I had to be collaborating with someone in order to make it in the first place. Yeah, well, I found right. that I've had a couple of, you know, some of the models that have come in have been very good, but it's 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 been a struggle to find people that were were good enough to to do them. Mm. Um, and yeah. you, you know, I've had some models that that have come in, and, and my basic view is that if it's not at least as good as I could do, then then you know that's that's not really what I'm after. I'm after somebody who's much much better. And there are mm. c- certainly plenty of very good models out there. Yeah, I'm lucky that we've got. I mean, the three main models are, are great now that I've got. I've got one more to go. So, so from that point of view, it's worked, you know. And um, and I'm lucky that the guy who's done a, a lot of work on a couple of the models is also a good rigger. So, so that mm. you know. Oh, that's that's imperative because one of the yeah. it, I found finding riggers was actually quite hard work. I, I was fortunate that I already knew about setup machine and face machine, so uh, and yeah. I've used them on previous projects. So I kind of. I didn't feel too bad about it because I felt like one way or another, I'd probably end up using those things in order to fill the gap. Um, but even around that, there's still so much rigging to be done. And it is quite hard finding yeah. who, who have that specialist knowledge, who are prepared to work on a project like this on the side. Well, that's, that's what's happened here as well. Um, in terms of the rigging, I originally thought that I would rig the characters myself, but I have... I have a ridiculous amount of characters yeah, in this movie. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. many characters is it? It's 13 characters. Yeah, I've kept um, mine to four, and that's enough. Yeah, but, but yeah. I mean, everyone's told me I'm crazy, but, you know, I, I figure you, you got to do what you got to do and just, 
whatever. Ignore everybody at times. Yeah, I have to admit, I mean, I spent a very significant chunk of my time uh, rewriting the script, desperately trying to figure out how to pare the number of characters down. Mm. I, I did have a period when I had lots of guest characters appearing, and um, and I, I tried to figure out how to get rid of them. I mean, in the end, I really couldn't get to myself down to two characters for the kind of idea I was doing, because it kind of had to be a love triangle. I still ended up with three characters, but you do at some points think to yourself, my God, you, if we'd have managed to make this a two-character film, uh, we'd already be halfway through animation by now, sort yeah. of thing, you know? <laughs> Well, I've lost two characters so far. They're only minor characters. So, you know, I kind of looked at them and I thought, is it worth the, the effort of, you know, getting them built and textured and rigged when they only appear for, you know, 10 seconds or something like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so from that point of view, it wasn't a difficult decision to make, you know. Mm. But I think the point is that you start out with an intention, you write a script and you have a story and your eye isn't necessarily on what's necessary. It's just what you want to do. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, so I had to, to lose two of them because it was, you know, it was, whereas maybe yours, Jess, is it, it's more imperative that you've got that many characters. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they carried the story along as much as sort of the style of the story. You know, um, yeah, I could have gotten rid of a lot of them, but then the style would have changed significantly. There, are, mm. like, there's, I mean, there's a fish that really it doesn't need to be there, but it it sets up a gag in the in the film mm. that without that gag, it's a little bit less entertaining. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm willing to put in the extra time, you know, and uh, energy to have the fish in, which is what it comes down to. It's about you know your budget. It's at the end of the day, your story is all about the banter between all of these different exactly. types of characters. And so if you'd taken two thirds of the characters out, yes, theoretically, you could get the core of the idea across. But it wasn't it wasn't the same kind of story then at all. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, I think that's one of the interesting things, certainly with with my one, is that it's quite an organic process. And the, the necessities that you have in, in being able to create the story to some extent, drive the script. So I've rewritten mine about a month ago, taken mm. out some stuff, put some other stuff in. Mm. And it's, I think it's actually improved for it. It's a much cleaner script and it's, it'll flow much better and it'll actually be easier to achieve than the first one. Going back to your previous question about what's been difficult, uh-huh. getting a storyboard artist has been difficult. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I haven't got one. <laughs> so I did the first storyboard myself. Yeah, I, I tried. Um, I asked around a few people I know had known at previous studios and also a few. And generally, I put it out there and said, I, I'm interested in looking for storyboard artists. But I think what you find after a while is that um, the only kind of people that you can easily bring onto a project like this are the ones that are used to being dependent on other people in the pipeline. Yeah. And concept artists and storyboard artists, generally speaking, if they want to show off their abilities, they can do it themselves. They don't actually need somebody else to help them out that much, which means that it's quite hard to get them to work on your project. There was a guy I worked with on a film in Scotland for a while who uh, said, oh, man, you should have caught me a couple of months ago. I'd have been right up for this kind of thing. But now I've got a new job sort of thing. So, mm. but, uh, so And I did have one person who... Um, came on as a storyboard artist for a while, but it wasn't working very well because the communication channels weren't strong enough. I mean, you find that I think things like layout and storyboarding, there's so much to communicate, it's hard to do it online. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's going to be the difficulty because you you just want to be able to sit down with them for for a day or two and, and whiz through it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, ideally what I was trying to do was find someone here in Austin that I could just sit down with in the same room and blast the ideas backwards and forwards. 
So it's one of the things that took a lot longer in the end. I, I kind of started with the thumbnails and stuff, but then it took me the best part of an entire year to actually turn those thumbnail drawings into more detailed, um, better laid out, better drawn storyboards. Um, and that's something, wow. you know, if, if it hadn't been, if I'd have found other artists, the project probably would have picked up quicker. Um, if, yeah. because you needed that animatic to convince people to work on the project. But yours is coming along quite well, Jess. I mean, I've I've watched your animatic, and um, it's already pretty clear. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there's a lot lacking there. Uh, the the half of the boards you well, more than half the boards you see. I don't know if you looked at it today or the past couple of days or are, are days things ago, that yeah. I sort of drew. Yeah, in thumbnail, and then there are the ones that uh, Lorenzo, the same one who designed the characters, he's volunteered to sort of try and go through and make the storyboards a bit clearer. All right. Yeah. I don't know whether he's going to have time to do that first or I'm going to be handing out layout shots to people first. So it's kind of this stage where I don't know if we'll ever have a full storyboard finished, mm-hmm. which is okay as well because it's a little bit organic. You see what happens, you see who's available, you see what you're capable of doing in a short period of time. If I can mm-hmm. lay out all the shots, I'll just stick those into the animatic. Uh, my, my animatic has still got one or two thumbnails still in it because – the funny thing is that the ones that are left in the animatic are the ones that were clear from day one. They were the ones right. that, even in the scribble, made sense. And so I've never gotten right. around to replacing them. And even to this day, no one's complained that they're there you know, in a scribbly form. So I guess all you've got to do is you keep looking for the weakest parts of the animatic and you redraw those bits because some it doesn't make sense. If you've got a few scribbly drawings that make sense, then you don't need them to be pretty. That's yeah, that, that yeah, may be that's, my problem. That's clear. <laughs> Then to get sidetracked with uh, with storyboards and try and make them look nice rather than just you know put down the, the flow of images and, and the ideas mm. and yeah I think from that point of view maybe a, a much quicker animatic much quicker storyboard absolutely I, I found that those thumbnails um, that I did at the beginning were really hard I don't know why but it's like you sit there you face this blank piece of paper and you're forcing so much creativity onto the page it was very hard but that Mm. fortunately I wasn't working at the time and I just poured several weeks into it and um, kept forcing myself back to the desk to keep doing it sort of thing by comparison, yeah. the, um, the the prettier drawings were much easier, um, and I just kind of did them in a cafe while I was chatting to friends. I would go to this weekly sketch night thing, and um, I would do do those doodles whilst barely even thinking about it, whilst chatting wow. to my mates and drinking sort of thing, you know. <laughs> so that actually became something I looked forward to every week. Exactly. Now, I had, a, I had an advantage that um, since my film is dialogue-based, I had the actual written script before mm. I had to think about the animatic, mm. and then when I took the storyboard and went to, you know, into an editing software and made it into an animatic, I had all my timing already. Mm. You know, I didn't have to think about because if a character was, was saying their line, I had to think, what action are they doing? Mm. How long does the line take? And the animatic kind of built itself with simple you know, editing. So I think that was the advantage, whereas opposed to like a film as, as yours, Michael, is... Mm. Uh, harder to figure out exactly how long it takes to, mm. to convey the feelings you have in each shot. Oh yeah, I've always found that having dialogue makes things a lot simpler and I tried to figure out whether I was going to have dialogue in mind but you probably know I tried going through the process of making it a musical at one point mm. Um, mm-hmm. but one way or another, if you've got audio already laid down, um, that's mm-hmm. a massive help for timing and for animators because it, it, it takes a thousand options and pairs it down to maybe only a hundred you know, <laughs> yeah, <Exactly. laughs> which is a lot less. <laughs> when did you get all your dialogue recorded then? 
Um, I was lucky enough to stumble upon a website where you can um, send out requests for voice actors, which is called, uh, I believe, Voice123. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, it's a, I think it's a British website. No, I was looking for British actors. It's American. Mm -hmm. And uh, there you can also ask for sort of student projects and um, sort of experimental free projects. And voice actors will come to you. You sort of explain who the character is, what you need, a sample of uh, you know your script or whatever, and people they they make bids on the project. So oh, wow. I found a lot of my actors through that, mm -hmm. and uh, most of them recorded in their own in their own homes. Mm. So um, so I was really lucky. A couple a uh, couple people from the states did my voices, and a couple people from England directly, and uh, super lucky. So that was one of the first things I did because I knew that that was what was driving the story, mm. and it was also what would then drive some of the character designs because. Once you have a voice, a character artist could go, hey, I know exactly what that person looks like. Mm. Until you have the voice, your character artist is only going on how you describe the character. Mm. So um, I, had, I had some voice tracks, and I would pass them over to the character artist. So they, I was really, that went really quickly, strangely. Right. But uh, that was even before the Ning site was up. That was one of the first things I tackled. So. Mm. Did you direct them online then? Yeah, I would give them a little bit of sort of um, input on mm -hmm. what, what I wanted. I didn't direct them personally, no. I kind of left um, a lot of it up to them and uh, had them do several takes. I said, you know, do as many takes as you want. This is the personality of the character. This is the script. This mm -hmm. is, you know, what I'm looking for. And uh, then if it came back and it wasn't sort of what I wanted or something that could work, I would go back to them and ask for revisions. But you know what? These guys, they're professionals. You know, they, they can take that kind of direction and run with it and give you 10 different takes with 10 different sort of feelings to it. And uh, I was really, really lucky. Wow, that sounds very handy. Uh, there's actually a similar site for um, getting musicians. Uh, have you guys thought about music yet at all? Well, I've got, there's a guy I know who lives, fortunately, about 200 yards from me. So, oh. <laughs> and he's a very good composer, and he's, he's going to do the music on the film. Mm. And, and also, he's, he's helped out with, with the voices. We recorded our voices on Friday, two days ago. Um, I know yesterday, actually. Yeah, I did my voices last weekend too. Busy week for voices. So, so that's good. We've got the voices done, and he's he's done all the um, the engineering on those. Uh, for me, it's, it's sort of the last thing on my mind because I have no idea what I want. So, um, I'm kind of waiting to wake up one morning and go, "Oh, that's what I want," and then sort of go off and and look for that thing. But I don't. I really have no clue for the music. It's yeah. one of the sort of the foggy areas in my brain so it's something I, i'm kind of putting off at the moment well yours is so heavily dialogue based that i, I guess at the end of the day you'll have to find something that complements it but doesn't overpower your dialogue yeah i think i'm you know i'm thinking because it's also i mean my the rendering style i'm thinking of going for is very um dark sort of my inspiration is um caravaggio paintings mm -hmm. and so far the tests that have come back they seem to be pointing that that might be possible i don't know what's going to happen when we light the character or anything, but that's sort of my ambition. And because that, that takes these very cartoony characters and puts them in quite a, a different environment than we're used to seeing cartoon characters, mm. I'm thinking the music might have to remain sort of on a realistic level. And because mm. of the pub interior, I'm thinking maybe just ambient, mm. ambient music might be better than an actual sort of score. Mm. But I'm not sure. It still needs to all go together. So... Um, I don't know. I've, I've got a couple of, of people who've asked me what I'm going to do for the music. So I guess you could have the sound of football games in the background or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Or like just, you know, the, the, uh, like British pub music. There's got to be there's got to be something that stereotypically yeah. pub 
tunes. You know? I'm trying. To, I'm trying to remind myself now. When when you're sitting in the beef eater, what does it sound like? <laughs> it's not beef eater, really. Is it? The, normally the pubs don't have any music though, because the the sound of people talking is so loud. Yeah, they, they, you know, you know those like um, really sort of middle of nowhere small towns. That's sort of how I'm thinking of this place. And the, these people are always in this pub. You know, like they're they're just always there. So there's got to be. There's got to be some some noise. I'm just not sure what it is yet. Definitely the rain outside. That's like your background typical. Yeah, yeah that's a good starting place. I think, I think yeah. you want rain, and then you want the old men doing singing karaoke in the background. <laughs> One of the things we did before we got together was we put together this sort of uh, list of things we wanted to talk about. So I thought I'd just jump to the top one of Jess's here. How does the recruit process work? And assigning of tasks, how does one know if an artist or animator is the right person for the job? Uh, well, that's actually a question I have. So oh. <laughs> I'll, let <you> <laughs> okay. I'll let you guys tell me how you're handling that on, on your project. Um, I would say that, I mean, certainly from my experience, the short answer is you don't really. I mean, you can see people's portfolios and you can see what they're capable of. That isn't always reflected in, in what comes back. And sometimes, you know, you get stuff back that is is much, much better than you're expecting. Mm. So I guess what, what you do is is you ask people to show you if, if they've got something they're capable of doing that. Because people are doing this for no reward, really. They're doing it just because they want to be part of it. I'm quite happy to give people the opportunity to try to do it. Mm. If they do it and it comes back and it's great, that's that's brilliant for everyone. And if they don't, then then maybe that's a good starting point to, to steer people in a different direction to do something that they're, they may be more suited to doing. You know, I believe that everyone who comes on board has something to contribute and has some way that they can do something for the project. It's just a question of finding what it is. Mm. And obviously you don't want to spend huge amounts of time saying yes, no, yes, no, and, and waiting for stuff to come back. Mm. But um, yeah, you do get a sense of, of, of what people are capable of. You know, obviously if people have produced good models in the past, you would hope that they would produce good ones, you know, for you in the future. One of the things I found was that communication was so important that A, you had to look at someone's portfolio and figure out what they were capable of, and B, you had to try to find some way to prompt them into talking to you and having a, a back and forth conversation because yeah. so you could figure out how well they could communicate and, and what their level of passion was and how much time they had available um you really have no idea of what they'd be able to do next and i have had quite a lot of people sign up that you never hear from again yeah i think i think that's certainly my experience as well mm. um which which is fine you know i don't mind at all if people sign up that's great mm. i think the one that's slightly frustrating is if people sign up for a task Mm. specific task and start a task you can see some kind of feedback from it mm. and then it goes nowhere it just stops yeah uh, and you don't get a, a communication back saying look i'm sorry i've got other work on or i've gone to live in you know siberia or something <laughs> yes you know, <laughs> and it as long as you know that, that there's 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 an end to to something or, or that yeah. they can't continue it. that's fine that's absolutely fine it's just when you're kind of left hanging and you don't quite know yeah how yeah. to progress from that. that that is one of the toughest things is when somebody's left you in that middle middle zone sort of thing all i can all i do is i i keep encouraging people to communicate many of the best contributors i have are not necessarily the most talented ones but they're the ones that communicate the best yeah i think think you can you can kind of tell also based on the personalities of how the person interacts with you and the other members on the site as to who mm. is invested like yes. not just emotionally but personally in the project they're they're invested and they really want to see it do well so any job even if they're not you know sort of the the most talented or the best in the group that you assign to that person you know you're going to get feedback you know you're going to get sort of um you know you're going to get an interaction where even if they're not at the level where they want to be today as an animator or a modeler or whatever 
you mm. can have a back and forth where they can help you with your project and you can help them grow as well as an artist or give them you know the opportunity to to sort of have have feedback which they may not you know we're all sitting at home in front of our computers or you know in our spare mm. time and where are you getting feedback if you're like i don't know in the middle of uh of of nowhere you know siberia mm. <laughs> and yeah. working on this film you know you can uh, you can have the feedback from your peers and from director or whoever so those people seem to be very valuable mm. once you've talked to them enough you can get an idea of their personality is like sure. which is quite important because somewhere along the line if somebody isn't quite talented enough to do the job um you will on occasion say okay this isn't really going where we need it to i i could do with being able to reassign this to someone else can i give you a different task and if they've communicated enough up to that point you don't necessarily feel really bad about doing that or or where well, you feel bad but you don't uh, you know that they're not going to freak out. How how are you guys organizing the task thing? Because I I tend to um, I noticed on on your site, Mike, that you have sort of your tasks available, and someone comes and they apply to do a task. Is that how it works? Um, well, it depends on what it was. Like if the animation, for example. That's sort of animation is the easiest, clear cut way to do it because there's a lot more structure in studios and ways that people have done it before, and many of the people come to me knowing exactly how they've had to do it in a studio before and, and I treat it the same way okay when it comes to animation they sign up they say what they want to be an animator and they introduce themselves I start a conversation with them to try and figure out what, what the level of commitment is sure. and usually the minute that they've signed up I've already figured out how good they are okay let's say for example they're a really good animator then obviously I just want to figure out if they can communicate well and if they do and they're jumping up and down saying yeah yeah I want to do a shot mm-hmm. I will usually do a bunch of different layouts so say I've got a queue of about five animators I know I want to give stuff to. Mm-hmm. I'll go and do five layouts and I'll try and figure out which ones are the most complicated, which ones are the most performance heavy, the most phys- physical heavy, that kind of stuff, and try to match them yeah. with the best reels that, that show their abilities. Okay. The other thing, though, of course, is to try and give those people what they want. Yeah. And so sometimes if they can tell me, I'm looking for something that uh, is strong on facial performance or someone else might say I'm a bit scared of the facial performance stuff and I do something that's more physical, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or I've got a slow computer and I can't handle three characters. Okay. <laughs> uh, little things like that are really helpful because they give me some guidance and they say, oh, okay, well, you did that shot, you did that shot, that shot. And if they don't go well, then later on I can reassess and a handful of shots have been um, swapped around between meters not ah, many because okay. i'm trying to to give people ownership of their shot i would much rather see someone start and finish a shot but yeah. uh, one or two people have swapped shots that kind of thing okay when it comes to everything else other than animation though it's easy to figure out the process um especially with modeling and things like that i mean there isn't any single person who's done all the work on one of our characters mm-hmm. There are certain people I can point to who's done most of the work, but it's taken so long to do a character that it's been passed between several different people. Sure. And I guess you got, you got to go with God as well. And who's available? I mean, there's sometimes you have, you know, your favorite animator, and he told you mm. six weeks ago that, yeah, he's ready for a shot, and you get back in touch, and right now they're working on a, you know, a four-week contract, and can they get back mm. to you in four weeks? So, you, you know, it's about timing as well. It is, absolutely. And this is where it help, actually helps to have a lot of people signing up, because... 
when that person says he's not available, you can go and check with the next person on your list and so on. I find that the moment I have more animators than shots laid out. Absolutely. That's, that's yeah, where I'm... We all have. I'm, I'm quite sure. I knew from the get-go it was not going to be a problem finding animators. Right. Uh, <laughs> before we even started animation, and therefore we hadn't even started um, officially saying we wanted animators, yeah, yeah. we already had about... I think we had 100 animators signed up oh before we'd started animating. Even right back in the early stages, I mean, Bob will remember, I, I was still doing storyboards and asking for concept artists and modelers and mm. texture artists. And still, we were getting a stream of animators coming in saying, I'm just an animator. That's all I want to do. Can I s- start animating? And they haven't looked closely enough to realize we're not ready to animate, that sort of thing. Well, it's, it's their enthusiasm that pushes you forward, too. I mean, my my mm. goalpost was get to animation so, so that I can give you know, the 80% of my team who are animators, what they mm. need, you know, to, to move forward and to become excited about the project, you know, so it's, that's always mm. been the pushing factor. I think without that, this project wouldn't even be off the ground. I mean, there's mm. no way if I was just sitting perfecting the models, would, would we be getting anywhere? Mm. They're never going to be mm. perfect. Yeah, uh, fingers crossed I can get through lighting and rendering afterwards, though. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> true. Fortunately, I know I can do that myself if I have to. I'm just kind of hoping that I won't have to do it all myself. <laughs> well, I was gonna, I was gonna say this is a totally other, like, different question. But how are you planning on handling the rendering? <laughs> like, seriously? I bought myself a, a new computer for starters. Okay, I keep that's fingers a good crossed. Idea. I made sure that all the um, assets we made were um, rendered as fast as we could. And I think one or two of the uh, modelers and texture artists wanted to do fancier stuff for their portfolios, and so there was some resistance there because they wanted to do stuff oh i've got this cool trick i want to try but and it's fine when you're just doing it for a single image but i had to say right well there's a very real chance i'm the only one that's going to be rendering this when it all comes down to it so can you get that to render in uh, one tenth of the speed please (laughs) (laughs) and so that's how we proceed especially with the clouds because we didn't want to have dynamic clouds what about you bob Uh, how are you handling all the rendering and stuff well at the moment it's i don't know i mean at the moment it's it's just me i'll be rendering it myself but having said Mm -hmm. that i do have this this kind of sneaky plan in my head <laughs> that since I'm in London, I will approach some companies in Soho. That's in the back of my mind too. It's just, it's, you never know, do you? You can't, the trouble is striking an agreement with them now, but if you don't know when you're going to be finished, you don't know if they'll be available at the time. So yeah. I'm just sitting back on that one until later. <laughs> I did, I did some work on a film a few years ago, uh, which was a, a sort of a test film for Hewlett Packard, mm. who did this online render service. And you oh, could yeah. bid for render time on their online farm. Right. Did it cost much? I don't know. This is, this is where it all sort of peters out a bit, because I don't know if it ever took off. But There's a few of them around. Yeah, oh, there are. So that would be mm. one option, wouldn't it, if you could share the rendering across the internet? But it does cost money. Does it cost a lot? Because this was a, this was a bidded idea, so that if there was... Uh, I don't know why there would be a quiet time, but if there was a quiet time, you, would, you wouldn't have to bid that much. I, I don't know whether, how much they actually cost, but I do know that there are some of these things that will do it for you for free because they're trying to get off the ground and they want a cool-looking project to showcase. Right, so that would be a, an idea to, to kind of keep in mind, wouldn't it, just in case? Because mm. who knows? I mean, by the time we come to rendering, everything might have changed again, and then might well be some kind of community-based rendering. Exactly. And the other problem with rendering is that the results are huge. Um, you get gigabytes mm. worth of files. Um, so in my mind, I've always kind of had the, the thought that I'll try to find someone who's not far from me, a studio or something. You don't know what's going to have happened by the time we finish these things because technology moves on so quickly. We might be all right to send, you know, five megabyte frames down the, the pipeline sort <laughs> yeah. of thing, you know. Let's hope so. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of um, when these projects are all finished, uh, one of your questions, mm. Mike, was uh, timescales and when will it yeah. end? Um, I personally, I, I have no way of knowing. I, 
I'm, I would like for it to, to kind of be close to completion sometime early next year. But mm-hmm. why I say that, I don't know, because I've got, obviously I'm at the mercy of the people who are actually helping me to produce it. It's a bit of a guess, really. Um, but it gives mm. me a target, at least. You know, if I can, I try and set myself targets for each month and try and achieve things each month mm. and see how well they do. And, you know, it, it is at the mercy of the gods, really. But uh, Yeah, well, when I started it, I kind of said to myself, OK, well, we do need a goal because a lot of people do um, sign up. And one of the first things that they, they'll say is, when is it finished? Because they're kind of thinking, when do I get to put this in full color in my showreel? Uh, it does help to have a goal. You can't pin it down completely. I, I sort of said to my to the people I was starting off with last year, and because this was January 2009, that maybe we try and aim to hit uh, SIGGRAPH 2010, mm. which is clearly quite optimistic. And when, when is that? That's, uh, that's a couple months that's now. In, yeah, that's in July. Okay. So okay. now my goal is a little bit more realistic in, in that I'm hoping to get the teaser trailer done by then. Okay. In the back of my mind, I'd like to think that I could finish this thing um, in 2011. And animation-wise, I don't think that's improbable because we are going quite quickly through the animation, so it might be achievable. Uh, if there are any lighting and rendering things that slow us down, that's yet to be found out, I suppose. How about you, Jess? When do you want to finish? Um, I'd like to be done uh, for the submission deadline for Annecy 2011 because uh, I'm so close to France right. that if I could submit it, and it, you know, and with mm. all the luck of, of the world, it could possibly get in. You know, that would be a nice place to sort mm. of to start it out. You know, um, uh, I guess a, a year from now. Um, again, I don't know how mm. it's going to be. My film's shorter than yours, at least from what I can tell from the animatics. But uh, on the same, it wasn't meant behind. to be. <laughs> no, it was meant to be a bit long. Oh well, it was meant to be a little bit longer. But uh, that that's what it comes down to with the. Um, with the voices. Oh, you mind. mean you shortened it? Yeah. Well, I didn't oh, wow. shorten it. I anticipated it as longer. I don't know. I, I think I, I, I don't even know. It's, uh, on, the, on the paper, it looked longer. But then when it was actually recorded, mm. it came in at five minutes. So I'm happy with that. Oh, I was trying to write a one-minute film. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> that didn't happen, did it? If you go back to the, the early animatics from last year, you'll see that it was at about four and a half minutes okay. for quite a long time. And it's grown from there. Wow. And it, it's amazing how these things grow. I, I, I have <laughs> well, no idea. You have a lot of um, aesthetics. Well, I mean, now the problem, of course, is that animators want to have longer ah. shots. And this is always a problem. You, you time things out in the animatic and you think you've worked it out perfectly. And then when you give it to an animator and that's their little piece, they want to make that little piece amazing yeah. and so they put all these ideas into this one little shot until it ends up being too fast and then inevitably you slow the timing down and you don't want to lose the work that's been done and guess what your shot is longer than the original setup was so i knew it would expand um of course my now my limit is that i want to be sure that i can get the film onto youtube and youtube has a 10 minute limit and ah. we're sitting at about 10 seconds short of the year the <laughs> at total limit <laughs> you need to make the credits roll faster <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I can't afford it to go too much longer. In fact, I'm constantly looking for shots to cut or shorten. In fact, once the dialogue was in, I managed to figure out a shot that I could pull two seconds out of the other day. So I was very happy. <laughs> so um, how do you keep the team inspired? Yeah. I don't know about you two, but um, I think the reason that this uh, 
process we use on Ning is working over over and above, say, the forum threads where people have tried to do this before is is because it's so visual. Um, I get to put pictures of everything we do and videos of everything we do. And that is a lot more effective than just pages and pages worth of threads with just text yeah, in them. Yeah, I think so, because you... you... You kind of see progress, don't you? And I think to to keep people inspired, mm. they need to have a sense that that it's it's continuing, and and that ultimately there will be an end. There will be a product that that is finished that they contributed to. And if you see all the videos, you see all the mm. animatics, and you see all the photos and the, of the work in progress, and you keep adding more of them, mm. then you can see that it's growing, and that that in itself is is enough inspiration to keep working on it. I, I try my best to make sure that I put out a new animatic every couple of weeks because that just shows all the, the new work that's been going on in, in that two-week period sort of thing. But I think what's great, about yours, what's great about yours, Mike, is that you have a, a high volume of videos going out there, just on not just on Ning, but on Facebook as well, on MySpace. So you can see the pro- process. It's a very... Mm. It's a very living process. You know, you see everyone's work, you see it developing. You do get that sense that, that it's progressing, it's going to end, it's it's going in the right direction. Mm. It was a challenge initially to make sure that everybody had that right mentality because a lot of people would just get me what they thought I needed and that would be it. You know, like when I very first started, it was just emails. So a picture would turn up and it would just be emailed to me. But I knew that in order to get everybody else on board and to attract more talent, I needed that to be public. And so this is why we shifted from emails to putting it on the Ning service. And then and then I kept telling everyone, make sure you publish that. I was getting I still do get a lot of very um, private emails, people not sure they want to show stuff. But I'm absolutely of the mentality that please just show your work, even if it's unfinished. And and if everybody does that, that little bit of push from everybody, it all builds up and the whole team feels good about the process. That And they all see the thing. Yeah, building I agree up with together. that. I've noticed that. that- if you look at the Ning site, certainly look at look, look at mine for you know for how that's developing. Mm-hmm. That the level of interest is always higher when more people are, are posting work in progress mm. than than if you're doing private emails because obviously people are in the dark if you if you've got private emails. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my experience is is exactly the same as yours that, that that some people like to just give you the finished thing. Yeah, you know, rather than than being part of a community where you can you can see what's going on, how it's developing, and you can see people's mistakes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but but definitely, yeah, if it's out there in the open, it, it is more inspiring and it is more it is more a group thing. My chat with Bob and Jess actually went on for quite a while, so I'll put the second part of this conversation out in a few weeks. In the meantime, I just wanted to remind everybody that you're listening to the Animation in Progress podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to us in iTunes. Have fun till next time. Bye. Devil's angel.